me. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much that we can be here tonight, Lord, um, worshiping you. Um, you are the one who set us free. Uh, God, you are so good to us, um, and we don't deserve it. I pray that you will bless this teaching to us, and that we'll see what you're trying to teach us so we can further your kingdom. In your name I pray, amen. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Good. All right. So if you need a Bible, raise your hands and we will get a Bible to you. Okay. Um, I would encourage you, if you're able, uh, to use um, a print Bible and not your phone just because I don't want you to get distracted on your phone. Your snaps can wait. Your B-reels can wait. It's all good. All right. So um, grab your Bible here. Okay. So again, just... Reminder, reminder, just put your phones away. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We are going to be in the book of, you guessed it, Colossians. Okay. All right. So tonight we are going to be in Colossians chapter 2. Okay. Colossians chapter 2. And we are going to be looking at verses 16 through 23, okay? So, again, if you need help finding Colossians, it's towards the back of the Bible, okay? If you uh, need some help finding Colossians, just raise your hand. Uh, somebody around you will help you find that book, okay? Hmm? We're spending all semester in here because it's a good book. Well, we were there before that. All right, when you, when you found Colossians 2, give me a thumbs up so I know where, where we're at, okay? All right, boom, 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 okay? Colossians chapter 2. All right, so if you found Colossians, let's, uh, let's uh, focus up here, okay? So... Remember, we've been working through uh, the book of Colossians, and we've been utilizing uh, this acronym. Anyone remember what that acronym is? SOYA. There you go. SOYA. Okay. All right. And just as a reminder, what is the first letter of SOYA? S. Sorry. What's the first word in SOYA? Survey says. Ding. Okay. All right. So survey are also known as context. Okay. So as we dig into tonight's passage, let me give you some context so you are aware of what's happening as we lean into our study tonight, okay? So I need you to focus in here. So the Colossian church, they were beginning to believe this false idea that they had to follow all of these spiritual Jewish laws in order to have these spiritual encounters, okay? And so the church here began to believe that you weren't really... Christian enough if you weren't following all of these laws or having all of these spiritual, angelic experiences, okay? And to the point where if you were a Christian in the church in Colossae, if you didn't have these experiences or follow all these rules, you were almost considered a lower tier Christian or that you weren't as spiritual. So it was the sense of, oh, you follow all these rules? 
oh, I've had all of these very uber spiritual experiences. That means I'm a very, you know, impromptu Christian. I'm a very higher level Christian, all right? But tonight, Paul is going to address how the people here in the church were focusing more on laws than they were on Christ. Okay, so that's the issue that Paul is addressing here. Laws, following laws, or otherwise known as legalism. Okay, big word. We're going to talk about that. So they were choosing legalism, following laws over Christ. Okay. And so as we kind of be getting into this practice here, uh, what I want to do here in a moment is I want to give you two minutes um, on your own to read through the passage on your own, okay? And I want you to start to make some observations, okay? So remember, when we do Bible study, we take time to understand context, and then we start by making observations. So look at what do you see, okay? So just note important words, repeated phrases, anything that you might think, wow, that's going to be important, okay? So don't get too deep. Look at observations and just take the two minutes of quiet to focus in, allow the word of God to speak to you here. Okay, all right? So two minutes, starting now, read over it, and then we will come back and work through it together, okay? Colossians 2, it'll be on the screen as well. Yep, there you go. All right, so let's bring it back together here. Let's focus up. All right. What are some observations that you notice? Okay, again, we're not getting into the deep stuff yet, not what do you think. What do you see here happening that could help us get an idea of what's going on? Okay. 
right? So there's a lot of aspects of like a physical body, right? There's joints, head, there's some language here, okay? So that's going to be under, uh, important to understand. Okay? The word religion a lot. So if, again, if you see a word that is repeated, that means it's important to understand what's happening. Yeah, good, Ben. Okay? Yeah. My guess is you've never used that word in your life ever. So that's going to be important for us to know. We should probably figure out what that word means because that's not a word that we typically use, right? Good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No judgment. You might have be disqualified, right? Similar wordage there. Good. This is great. Awesome. Violet? Okay, right? So angels are being mentioned here. Good, good. Okay, elemental spirits, right? Like, what's going on here, right? <laughs> okay, good. That's so good, okay? It may seem like a simple thing that you look over, but if the Bible says, do not, guess what that means? Don't do what's about to come after that, right? Sometimes we think, oh, I, I'm not smart enough to study the Bible, but that's a lie, okay? I promise you, God's desire is for us to know his word, all right? Really good, really good. Yeah, Olivia? Okay. Right, so there's this language of shadow, things to come, right? Like, okay, interesting wordage, paraphrasing here, so we're going to have to describe that a little bit later. Okay, let no one, right? That's important to understand because we're talking about a people group. So let no one means nobody, right? Good. Okay, do not submit to regulations. Okay, regulations, maybe you have rules, laws, right? So now it's important to remember that you might say, well, the Bible says don't submit to rules, so I can do whatever I want. Eh, don't do it, right? That's why understanding the Bible is important. If you say that to me, I'm going to say false, okay? Good. Anything else, Nate? Ligaments, okay? All right. Body language here, good. Anything else? Any other observations? Astute students? Anything else? Okay. All right. So let's dive into this passage here together, okay? And my goal is for us to work through these verses so you can understand how to study the Bible on your own. Because that's our goal here, is for you to take what we're doing and to take it with you so you can study during the week. All right. So... <coughs> What is the first word in verse 16? I'm going to start off here with a nice easy question. Okay? Therefore, everyone say, therefore. therefore. Okay, say it one more time. Therefore. Okay, all right. So you're wondering, okay, why do we need to be aware of a word? Well, this is important, okay, because understanding Bible language is important because the word therefore means for that reason, okay? So if you're doing Bible study and you're reading through a passage of Scripture and you see the word therefore, that's going to give you uh, some insight that what comes after that word is going to give you some explanation or summary. Because the way the Bible is written, if you see the word therefore, it's drawing some sort of conclusion after that or it's kind of bringing into perspective what was just talked about. Okay, So you might have a passage and then you see therefore... As a Bible study student, you're going to go, okay, wait a minute. I need to pay really close attention because something is about to be dropped after this word, okay? 
So that's just a little tip. If you're doing Bible study and you see a passage and you see that word, that's going to be a great starting point for you to understand what the passage is talking about. That's going to help shed some light. Okay. So to open this passage, Paul is reminding the Colossian church in verse 16 to not let anyone judge you because you are in Christ. And he talks about being free from the law, the legalistic requirements. Okay, In other words, Paul is starting off by saying God is the one that judges, not us. Okay, And so what do you think Paul means here when he says the law? Right? Any, any, any ideas? to do the expectations yeah okay right the law something's going down listening to the rules Nate So a lot, of, a lot of good pieces in here, okay? But what this is really kind of leaning into is when it says the law, ultimately it's referring to the Jewish law, okay? The Jewish law and customs, which started back in the book of Exodus. Maybe some of you have heard the Ten Commandments. Anybody? Ten Commandments? Okay, very popular, right? So in the book of Exodus, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, instructing the people how to live. The Israelites at this time, they were just doing whatever. They were struggling for some direction. So God gave Moses the Ten Commandments to instruct them how to live. God says, you need some help? Let me give you the law so you can understand what I'm asking of you. Well, years and years after those commandments that were given, the Jewish leaders continued adding, adding more laws and more laws to the point where up until the time of Christ and beyond, there were hundreds of laws that were surrounding the Jewish church and culture. So it all started back essentially with the Ten Commandments, and then years went by, they just added more and more and more things popped up, and this and that and all this. So, to the point here, where in Colossians 2, people were becoming so focused on these laws that it took the place of following God. They were so caught up in following this big laundry list of laws that it completely took their perspective and their heart away from God. And this is what we are going to talk about here, and that's called legalism. Okay, everyone say legalism. legalism. Even kind of say it weird, like legalism. Okay, right. And so legalism essentially is dependence on moral law or good living, following these rules, dependence on good living rather than personal faith. Okay. So again, the focus here was that the church, they were focusing more on all of these laws rather than their personal relationship with Christ. And so in verse 17 here, Paul then says, like I think Olivia mentioned, Paul says, these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ, okay? So what in the world 
does that mean, right? What does it mean the shadow and the substance to come? Well, here, here's a really good quote that I think kind of helps bring this into perspective. This quote says, I think I have it on the screen as well. The Old Testament law had certain provisions that are done away with Jesus regarding such things as food and Sabbath. It isn't that these laws were bad, simply they were a shadow of what's to come. Once the substance, Jesus, has come, we don't need the shadow anymore. The shadow has passed and the reality has come. And so what that means here is that God gave the law to the Israelites, the people of God, God gave the law to show them how to live. God gave them the law to show them how to live, what he expected of them. But the law ultimately was pointing to the reality that we can't live up to that law. So not only was this law, starting with the Ten Commandments, given to the people of God to show them how to live, but this law ultimately was to reveal to them, wow, I am a sinful person because I struggle trying to follow what God's law is. To the point where the law actually was pointing to the reality that we need a savior. Because as they look at the law, the goal essentially was, how am I supposed to do this? I need a savior. And so that's what the law essentially was intended to be, pointing us to a savior, the shadow of what's to come because we continued uh, the people of God continued to fall short of that law so they needed a perfect sacrifice that being Jesus so the law pointed to our need for a savior but people began to view the law as the savior okay so this is what Paul is talking about here and Paul's saying you know what all of these years you've been trying so hard to follow these laws which were intended to remind you of what you don't have and what is to come. And now that Jesus has come, everything that you've been waiting for is here. And so the law, again, was the shadow pointing to the reality that they are sinful and broken and can't live up to God's standards. And the law points to Jesus. And now here in Colossians 2, Paul's saying, you're still worried about following these laws that Jesus took care of. He was the perfect sacrifice. So why are you trying to follow something that is not saving you, but in reality is taking you away from the Savior, Jesus? And so here's this point in this. Shadows don't just tell us that there's darkness. Shadows also tell us that there's light. And something is blocking that light. And so Jesus took care of that something, which we call sin. And so now we have everything that we could ever need in Christ. And that's what Colossians 1 talked about, right? That Christ is greater than, right? We talked about all of this, how he is the Savior, the Messiah. And so the shadow points to the reality that there is light. And that light is ultimately in Christ. All right, so let's have that in our minds here, and let's continue on. Verse 18, what is the next reminder that Paul gives us? Okay, ladies, no one disqualifying you. Good. Other thoughts? Anything else you see in verse 18? What, what's Paul reminding the Colossian church of?
reminding them that Christ is the head. This is the, he's the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Christ is where this all starts. Good. Yeah? Okay, right? So he's, again, he's talking about angelic beings, right? So there's something important happening here. Good, good, good. So Paul here starts off verse 18. Let me read verse 18 here again. Um, verse 18 here says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reasons by this sinuous mind. Okay, what is that talking about? Well, let me help you work through this here. What Paul's saying first is that let no one disqualify or condemn, let no one condemn you because you haven't had these spiritual visions, right? So again, context is important because the Colossian church, they were beginning to believe this lie that if they didn't have these like, ooh, like spiritual visions and see angels and all these things, that if they didn't have these kinds of things happening, that they were not as spiritual. So there was kind of that, what was happening, like, oh, you haven't seen an angel hmm, guess you're not spiritual, right? But this is a lie. And Paul is saying, no, let no one disqualify you because of this or trying to follow these laws. Why? Because they were becoming puffed up. And I'm not talking about like, you know, the SpongeBob muscles. Like, okay, what I'm talking about here is they were becoming so full of themselves that their sin was distorting how they viewed themselves. They were so caught up in their sin that they were like, yeah, I've seen a few angels. No big deal. Tweet. Okay. Have you seen an angel? Hmm. Okay. Whatever. Right. Sorry, Seth. Um, that's what was happening here. Okay. But here's the reality, guys. Sin does that to us. Sin often makes us see ourselves differently than what we ought to see. Sin clouds our judgment. And when we get so focused and caught up in sin, it begins to change how we view ourselves, right? Oh, wow, somebody else is really sinning more? Well, they are a worse sinner than I am. I guess I'm better because I'm not as bad of a sinner. This is the kind of mentality that they were falling into. And so beyond that, again, the Colossians were falling prey to this ideology called Gnosticism which is, again, having these big spiritual visions. So here are the two big things that they were falling prey to, getting caught up in having these uber spiritual experiences, whatever in that all entails, and they were so focused on following the law. Okay. But I want to take a moment and point out that Paul says here, let no one disqualify you. And I don't want to skip over that because... You may not realize this or not, but did you know that God wants to use you for amazing things? God wants to use you. And I'm not just saying like you, I'm saying like each and every one of you, God has designed and he has a purpose for your life. And you may not realize that or think that, but that's a lie because God does have a purpose and you were made for more than you could ever realize. And so Paul's saying, don't let them disqualify you. No, actually, God chooses the weak to shame the strong. And so I want you to know that, that you have purpose and God desires to use you 
for amazing things. But the question is, will you allow God to use you for his plan and purposes? And so from there, Paul goes on then in verse 19, talking about this mindset and how this mindset, again, this false ideology, philosophy, the lies that they were believing, Paul's saying, no, it's actually disconnecting you because you're not abiding in Christ. Because these strange mystical movements, as they arose in the church, they didn't help the unity of the church. They actually pushed the church farther apart. Oh, you didn't have spiritual visions? Oh, I'm up here and you're down here. It actually created disunity. But Paul says, no, we are all one under Jesus. And he wants all of us to grow together. And where does that growth come from? God. And so Paul is saying, no, this is not helping the church, this mindset. It's actually taking apart the church. All right, so let's move on. In verse 20, what's Paul's next reminder? What did Paul say next in verse 20? Daniel? submitting to rules, regulations. Yeah, anything else? Yeah. So Paul here, he's making this case. He's saying, why do you keep following these rules? Why do you keep falling in line behind these worldly rulers that are pulling you away from Jesus? Because, Paul says, you have died with Christ. So why are you falling in line behind these rules, these, these lies, when you have placed your faith in Christ? And so why are you trying to do all of these spiritual, rule-following things to make you more spiritual? Because you already have everything you need in Jesus. And so not only were they falling uh, into this ideology of Gnosticism, but the Colossians were also falling prey to this ideology, uh, I think that Ben mentioned, called asceticism, right? And so what that word is, this asceticism, it's a mindset, it's a philosophy, and basically it's severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms for religious reasons, or in other words, severe legalism. So boiled down, this asceticism was a big way, a philosophy, a mindset of saying, severe legalism or you are getting hardcore about following these laws and so that's what this means they were buying into this and so let me define legalism again here for you legalism exists when people attempt to secure righteousness in god's sight by good works legalists believe that they can earn god's approval by performing the requirements of the law so in other words legalists or legalism their goal or their mindset or hope is you know I can earn God's favor by doing all of these things if I follow all these rules then I will earn God's love then I will earn God's favor that's essentially what legalism is and not only were the Colossian church buying into this it was getting severe like hardcore 
Like, if we went through some of the examples, you'd be like, why were they believing that? But this is what severe legalism is. So, for example, what I mean by severe legalism, it's like this. This is the mindset that they had. Say, okay, you know what? Adam and Eve in the garden, they took the fruit, right? They ate the fruit, and that brought sin into the world. So if I'm a severe legalist, I might say, well, if fruit brought sin into the world, then I guess I should never eat fruit because it's sinful, right? <laughs> maybe I, maybe I uh, shouldn't have said that. I don't know. Uh, maybe I should have said celery or something. I don't know. Um, so that's the idea here, right? They were taking something, twisting it to a whole different perspective, right? That's what severe legalism does. It takes something, twists it, and makes it about following these rules to earn God's love to the point where people were telling the church, you can't even touch these items, you can't even eat this food, you can't go near these people, all of these things. And so their mindset was not about following God, it was about following these rules. And so why am I telling you this? You're like, why are we talking about legalism, right? I don't even know what that is really. I've never heard that word before. Well, I'm telling you this because if you don't know God's word, you might begin to believe lies that sound good. If you don't know what God's word says, you might easily start to do or believe something that is so far off from what God wants for you. And that's why we do this. That's why we take time to study God's word to help you understand God's heart and desire for your life. Because this can easily trickle into your faith. Because sometimes even well-meaning Christians trying to do good things can fall into this distorted view. Okay. Now, I do want to make a quick note here. There is a difference between legalism and self-discipline. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Okay. But I just want to make that point here really fast. So next question. What are these unbiblical laws? Where do these unbiblical laws come from according to verse 22? According to verse 22, where do they come from? Yeah. yeah, human commands or teaching. In other words, the world, okay, not God. Paul's saying these laws, these mindsets that you're believing, these are not from God. These are from people, the world. And again, that's why studying the Bible is important. Because if you want to know the lies, you need to know the truth. That's how we fight lies, is knowing God's word. Because studying the Bible doesn't just simply help us grow in our faith to make us feel better. When we study the Bible, it's how we water the roots that dig deep so we can be rooted and built up, established in the faith. If you want to dig deep roots in your relationship with Jesus... Being in God's word is part of that process of watering those roots so they can dig in deep. And so let me give you an example here of why this is important, all right? One of the most common lies that people believe today is that good works are required for salvation. In other words, people believe that, oh, if I do all of these good things, 
if I'm this really good Christian or if I'm this really good person, then God will forgive me or then I will be in heaven with God. That is not what God's word says. Because good deeds or good works are not required for salvation, but they're actually the product of our salvation. Because the Bible talks a ton that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not by the good things that we do. Because good works are a sign of our faith, not a condition. In other words, the good things that we do should be produced out of our relationship and love for Jesus. They don't start with good things and then we become this follower of Jesus. Right? And so this is the lie that people can fall into. And that's what Paul is addressing here. And he even goes on to say in verse 32 that this mindset, this legalistic mindset, it has the appearance of being wise. Because if you're really legalistic, people might go, wow, they're really smart. Maybe you know tons of Bible verses and you can rattle them off. But if you're so focused on following rules and they take you away from deepening your faith in God... It can look wise, but that's not actually wisdom. And so again, they were trying to believe these lies. They were falling into lies, thinking that they would become more spiritual. But in reality, it actually kept them from their relationship. And so, last question here, number five. Why do you think legalism doesn't actually help? Or why do you think legalism, again, following all of these laws... Why do you think this doesn't actually help us conquer what our flesh wants? In other words, why is legalism not actually helpful? Why is this approach, doing all these good things, following all these rules, why does this actually not really help us? Is that a hint? Okay, what do you got? life because God wants to transform our hearts and oftentimes denying ourselves of what we want can often make us want those desires more because we are tainted with our own sin sin has destroyed our DNA and what does that mean because of sin oftentimes when we hear the words don't do that don't do that don't do this what do we want to do well, I want to just do what you just said not to do, right? That's how we react. And so let me give you a couple examples, right? If I brought in this giant chocolate cake and put it up here in front of all of you and I said, you can't have any, most of you would probably go, oh, man, I really want some cake now, right? If I said, don't you dare take a piece, that probably makes you want it a little bit more, right? Or maybe you're walking in the park and you see a sign that says, don't step on the grass. 
Let me let me tell you, you're probably thinking. Because that's what sin does. It changes our mindset because we often want what we shouldn't have. But here's the hope in that. When we say no to something, we say yes to something else. Every time we say no to something, we say yes to something else and vice versa. Because remember, God wants to change our hearts in ways that when we look at the world and what we, our flesh, desire, we don't want that. God wants to change how we view the world and change our desires to the point where we want what God wants and we look at what the world offers and we say, why would I want that? And this is what Hebrews 11, verse 24 and 26 points us to. I'll have it on the screen here. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. In other words, Moses here said, I am so focused sinful, disgusting stuff that the world is trying to convince me to have when what I have in Jesus is greater than anything I could ever imagine. Because God wants to change our heart and our desires. And so, but I want us to be mindful, though, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be self-disciplined. And so here's the distinction I want to make. Legalism says, I will do this, whatever, in order to gain merit or to gain God's favor, to make God love me. But self-discipline says, I love God, I love the Lord Jesus, so I will discipline myself to please God. And I want you to understand this distinction, is legalism says, I have to do these things for God to love me. Self-discipline says, I love Jesus. I have a relationship with him. And because of my love for him, I want to serve and follow him. Because legalism tries to earn something, self-discipline is the caring for what you already have received. And I want you to make this distinction and this understanding, okay? And so lastly, we look at context or survey, observations, interpretation, and we want to finish with application, okay? Okay. And so here are three things I want you to be mindful of here in this passage. Number one, are you looking to the world or are you looking to Jesus? Because many Christians were believing lies to make them more spiritual, but it actually kept them from pursuing Jesus. So what they thought was helping them grow actually pushed them farther away. So are you looking to the world for wisdom or are you looking to Jesus, God's word? Number two, don't try to earn God's love. The reason why they were trying to follow all of these laws because they were trying to earn God's love. They were trying to add to the message of Christ. But friends, it's in Jesus alone that we find forgiveness, which is why we looked at that last week, talking about how Jesus canceled the record of our debt. 
Because if your hope is ultimately in what you do and not what's already been done, then you're trying to earn something that can't be earned. If you're trying to put all of your hope in what you do and not in what Jesus has done, then you're going to be left feeling frustrated. Because listen to what Ephesians 2 says. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love for which he's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And down in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Because the best that we can do, Isaiah says, is like dirty, grimy rags. And so it's by grace that we are saved. Because good works won't get you into eternity. It's through Jesus Christ. And third and last, don't let self-discipline turn into legalism. Because remember, legalism is trying to follow rules to gain God's love, but that's different from self-discipline. Because when we place our faith in Christ, he changes our mindset, which leads to a desire to follow him out of love. And that's why in Ephesians 2, verse 10 afterwards, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so the good things that we do are a result of our faith. They don't lead to earning our faith. And that's why Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Not if you obey my commandments, then I will love you. Because loving obedience should be our motivation, not legalism. And so what I want to leave you with here tonight is this. Rules can't change our hearts, but Jesus can. Rules can't change our hearts, but Jesus can. And again, when I say rules, I'm talking about us trying to do all of these things to earn God's love. But the Bible says, while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you're putting your faith ultimately in the good things that you are trying to do, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to work out. But if you place your faith in Jesus, he will change your life. And so if you're here tonight and you're trying to live a good life, doing good things to earn God's love, you are going to be frustrated, anxious, and tired. Because the question is, well, how good is good enough then? But here's what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so, friends, if you're trying to earn God's love, you're going to fall short because he loved us so much. And you're probably familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So, friends, if you're trying to do good things to earn God's love, I'm telling you, place your faith in Jesus. Because he wants to change your heart, change your desires, and change your life. And it's out of that faith that we are equipped for good works. And God wants to use you to change the world. And so no one should disqualify you from being used by God to do great things for him. Would you pray with me?
God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time for us to dig into your word. God, I praise you because of what you did on the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you that it's not about what I have to do. It's about what's already been done. And God, thank you that it's not up to me to earn my way because I am going to fall short every single time. But God, thank you for sending Jesus to cancel the record of debt to take care of my sin in ways that I could never take care of. God, thank you for paying the price that I deserve. And God, I pray that if there is a student here tonight that is trying to do good things to earn your love, that they would place their faith in you, Lord Jesus. So out of that relationship of placing their faith in you, that you would prepare them to change the world for the glory of God because it's by grace through faith in Christ that we have forgiveness of sin because you desire to cancel sin, not sinners. And God, I pray that we wouldn't fall into the lies of the world that tell us that we have to earn your love because we can never do that. But praise be to God that you took care of that on the cross. And God, we praise you for this. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so in a minute here, I'm going to dismiss you to small groups. Remember, um, after the small groups, make sure you check out at door A where you came in. Please check out. If you don't check out and leave, there will be consequences, okay? So go find your small group. If you don't know who your small group leader is, please come talk to me, okay? All right, head to small group, and we will see you later, all right?